thankful to be here this evening. Wanted to stand and thank everyone for their prayers, phone calls, text messages, all the offerings. Just so appreciative. Um, I don't have anything to complain about. I don't have anything to be ungrateful about. Just a little small anchoring of my testimony before this situation took place. I was being told by the healthcare providers to stand. Everything was great. You know, nothing was wrong to give it another six months. And that little small still voice just wouldn't let me keep still in my mind. And that was just the grace of God that allowed me to push through to just get the things done that were necessary. And although, you know, at the end of the day, we found out that it is a genetic thing and something that I was actually born with and whether it was going to come out now or later, it, it was just a genetic thing. I'm just grateful because without the grace of God, six months from now, only God knows where I would have been. And I'm just so appreciative, you know, even when we don't have God on our mind, he always has us on his. And even when you think that all hope is gone or that, you know, I remember I was talking with Brother Caleb and I said, and we were just talking about everything. And I was like, you think you could ask God to take me off the strong people list for just a little while? But I'm appreciative and I'm grateful and I'm just thankful. Why not me? I mean, you know, oftentimes, and I have to say, I've never once asked him why me. It, it's why not me? Who am I not to go through something? And the song that Sister Cheryl would always sing, who am I? It came to mind and it just rung. Who am I? I'm nobody. Who am I to not go through something? But I know that if I keep my eyes on the hills from what's come at my help, if I stay humble, if I do the things that I've been taught through the ministry and the things that I've read and know through the scriptures, and that if I trust and have faith in him, his will will be done. And then I go back to Jeremiah 29 and 11, that if his thoughts of me are that, then I'm going to be okay. So I'm just appreciative. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And after the first treatment, we saw the oncologist on Tuesday, and clinically things are going well. So I am just appreciative. Brother, come on, Brother Isaiah. Praise God. Praise God. Just help me and just, uh, just magnify the Lord. I, I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Oh God. Thankful for you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I just want to stand up to tell the Lord how much I appreciate him tonight. Um, just singing that song, Rejoice This is the Day That the Lord Has Made. I will be glad in it. I'm thankful. Um, I was happy. I was happy when they said, on to me, let us come into the house of the Lord. I'm just thankful to be in the house of God tonight, just with the wonderful saints. But thinking about the meeting, uh, but since this Monday, I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing in my life. Um, I've, I've been here for a while, and I'm just reflecting on, um, not a long time, but some months, eight months, nine months uh, around there. But I'm just so thankful for what the Lord has just done in my life. 
in this short span of time, oh, I'm thankful I came and I was just very anxious. I didn't know what was to come uh, the following days. But it says, uh, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the unbelieving, the foul, nothing is pure, even in their minds. So I just want to tell the Lord that I'm thankful, that I'm thankful. I'm just so thankful to be here. I just want to give a thanks, uh, offering thanksgiving a praise. Just the little things in my life that the Lord has just been doing for me. I'm, I'm just so grateful for what he's doing, not in just in my life, but my, in, in the life of my brothers and my sisters, and they can encourage me. And I'm just so thankful. I just want to stand up and give a, a, a thanksgiving offering of praise. The Lord has just been opening up just small doors just in, in my life that I'm just so thankful that I just want to magnify him. Um, some days you just think that uh, some, some things is not going to happen, and uh, I, I'm not sure how this is going to happen. But like I quoted earlier, uh, to the pure, all things are pure. And I just want to see God in every situation that I'm going through. Um, it says that Jesus learned obedience in which the things that he suffered. And I just thought about that mindset, just the things that he was going through. He learned obedience. So I just want to like myself. I want to arm myself likewise with that same mindset that the things that I'm going through, I just want to get something out of it. So I just want to tell the Lord that I'm thankful. That I'm thankful. That's all I just want to say. Brother Sonny's nervous because I have the mic. But come on, Brother Frankie or Sister Karen. Oh, hallelujah. Saints, um, first of all, I have to repent because I was supposed to stand up to worship the, and magnify the name of the Lord long time ago, since end of December, beginning of January. But every time someone would stand up and I would say, well, this bad mind of mine would say, Oh, that person said exactly what you what you're gonna say. So it's okay. Next time, or or maybe the, the elders got up already, so you don't need to get up. It's okay. Next time, but there's always a next time, next time. And it, like some other people say, it's very comfortable to sit in to to stay in your chair and not move. But today, um, I had to get up and tell the Lord, thank you, because for the for the little things that He have done and the big things things that I have not expected. He woke me up in the morning. He saw me through my day, my going and my coming. I have to bless the Lord for all of that. Um, I was reflecting on um, my past, well, my, my journey with the Lord. And um, not to take away from what I've learned in the past because I received a good foundation. And the foundation that I received um, helped me build more in the Lord and help me how to treat my brothers and sisters and how to love each other. So I got a good foundation, but I was reflecting on soon in May, it's going to be two years now that I'm with you. And I was saying to myself, January, 2022, January, February, March, I was home. I was not going to church. I stopped going to church for specific reasons, but I won't go back onto that. But the Lord knew his plan for me. He knew he had a, plan, a specific plan for me. I didn't know what was gonna happen. 
I didn't know I was going to end up here. I didn't know I was going to end up on, on following an assembly that is far um, from me. But the Lord had something planned for me. I can say in the year and so May is going to be two years. So let's say a year and what? nine months, something like that. I have learned so much about the Lord. I have learned so much about his plan for me. I too have a chance to be an overcomer. I too am learning how to kill the, the lions and, and, and the tigers and my mind mm -hmm. so I can be like him. I too, when I'm going through tribulations and trials, I ask the Lord not to take me away from them, which I used to do, but now it's to give me strength to pass through them so I can come out as gold, so I can be washed from all the, the dirt and the scurry and, and the bad things in my life. I want to thank the Lord for, for this passage, for this journey that he's taken me through. I tell you, I appreciate every one of you. I appreciate the sisters. I appreciate the, the, the Sundays when we used to get together and learn. I appreciate the, um, the Wednesdays that we were together. I appreciate the whole meeting. It's as if I have a, a hunger to learn more. I can say this is the first time I've been in the in church, uh, in the body, in, in, in church for a long time, since I got married in 1993. But this is the first time that I read my Bible from back to front. I'm a little ashamed to say that, but again, I am very um, appreciative. Praise the Lord. It's as if there's a desire, there's a... Uh, I wake up early, sometimes I wake up around four or five o'clock in the morning. I have, I do wake up as I have things to do, but then I take time to read my Bible and I can easily read six, seven chapters. Because for me, it's easier in the morning than at night. Things go in easily, but that desire to say, okay, I have my Bible with me and I'm reading early in the morning. I'm praying early in the morning. I didn't have that before. And I thank the Lord that he's opening my eyes to his wonderful word. He's, he's showing me that I also, who am I? Me, little Karen, all the way in Canada, that he chose me to be part of a big family. I just want to sing a song for, um, for the great, to magnify the name of the Lord. It's in Creole. It says, um, I have a lot to tell you thanks. Dear Lord, dear Jesus, I have a lot to tell you thanks, precious Lord. You gave me eyes that I can see, a chance for me to reign with you one day. Um, I have a lot to, thank, to tell you thanks, precious Lord. Cher Jésus, moi j'ai vous me dire merci, précieux Seigneur.
Thank you. 
Sister Christella. Oh, where my hand was raised, but I never did that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't do that. And that's happened to me before, and I've just let it go, you know, bring my hand down. But I thought, okay, uh, I think I'm supposed to stand up and 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 just praise the Lord. I I thank him. I just thank the Lord that I still have my life. Um I've been to a funeral every month since October, and um, all females, all around my age, and my cousins and I, and even, you know, my sisters, my natural sisters, and mostly my cousins and I, we talk about this, how we're now at the age that our parents were when we were growing up, so we're, we're the elders of, of, of our family, and um, it's just so odd, because when my mom was my age, I just thought like, wow, she's so old. And uh, I remember when my mom went to her 50th year high school reunion, and I thought 50 years, my gosh, that is, that's like really old. But this year is my 50th year 
<laughs> high school reunion and I don't I don't feel so old. I really don't. But I thank I thank the Lord that I just have strength in me because for like the last seven months I've had pain in my arm. And uh it's only the last two weeks that I've been able to sleep at night for more than three hours at a time because the pain was just that horrendous. I wake up to pain and uh I've been to three or four different specialists. One told me, oh, it's a side effect from some medication you're taking. And I, I had hit my head and, um, oh, it's, it's a side effect from that. And uh, the emergency room said, oh, no, it's uh, you have arthritis in your neck. And then finally, uh, after an MRI, even with them having seen arthritis, they're saying, oh, oh, no, now we see um, um, you've got a pinch, a pinch nerve, which to me makes the most sense because since all the pain started, I had continued to say, no, this is neurological. This is not, this is not in my bones. It's not an orthopedic thing. You know, maybe it was a side effect from some medication, you know, that sounded kind of plausible, but I, I just knew that it was a neurological thing. So I started uh, physical therapy a uh, week before um, Christmas. And uh, I've been going every week, and I'm, I'm getting some relief. Um, um, it's, it's happening very slowly, and I understand uh, it's a process that I'm having to go through. But I'm, I'm just very thankful uh, for my life. I, I thank God when I wake up in the morning because he doesn't have to wake me up. Everybody doesn't get up. Everybody doesn't have that opportunity. And so much that uh, Sister Karen said, I relate to that. I relate to so much of it because I've, I've been in church all my life, basically, but it's only now uh, being in this fold that I'm learning as I am, and it's just so much that I just didn't know. I, I thought I knew, but I, I just didn't know. And I'm very thankful uh, for the Shreva Assembly Church. I'm thankful for the ministry. I'm thankful for the saints. I'm, I'm just thankful to be here. I thank the Lord for, for being the shade upon my right hand and there's just so much that I could go into about what's not right, but I just thank him that I can focus on what is right, but what, what's not wrong with me and, and, and with all of what's going on around me. I just thank him that I'm still in my right mind and I have a mind to just press my way uh, through conditions when, when, when things seem so adversarial and, and they have been quite a bit of it. Um, uh, for, for a while now, but I, I just have to um, just trust in the Lord and, and lean not into my own understanding and, and acknowledge him in all my ways. And he continues to direct my path. He does. I find myself throughout the day saying, Lord, I just, I need you to help me, God, just help me. And I know he is. I know he's helping me uh, in my mind. He's helping me with the strength in my body. And just giving me the will to continue, and um, and I thank you all for it. I'm very appreciative for everyone who, anytime anyone reaches out to me in any form, uh, I'm very appreciative of it because it helps me to grow and it helps me uh, with strength in my mind and in my body. So, thanks for. <laughs> And hearing everybody else's testimonies, you can see how the Lord had taken from darkness into light. Darkness just being ignorance or just not understanding or knowing something and bringing them to that marvelous light. That's coming into a place of understanding. A lot of times people don't um, look at someone in religion and you can see that they're doing that all that they know to do. 
that's just because of the place that they're in. But I'm just so thankful that the Lord allowed me to come from all the way from Florida, all the way to Louisiana, just to get some understanding, just to get some, just to get some ministers to wash my feet, so that way one day I can be able to stand on my own and be able to look at the glass and see what manner of man I am and be able to walk therein. So I'm just so thankful after hearing those things, just hearing Brother Isaiah's testimony, Sister Karen's, all these people are transplants. All these people are engrafted into this assembly and just seeing what the Lord has been able to touch their minds and touch my mind. I'm just so thankful to hear these things. Oftentimes we go to different assemblies and we can get hurt or not, but we come to a place where Jesus Christ is the head. And no matter where you go in this body, I went to Georgia, it was the same thing. They're preaching the same message. They're still preaching on blowing that same trumpet. So I'm glad to be in a place, not just Shreve Assembly, but in the body of Christ, where I can get some understanding. Where I don't have to lean onto my own. I can acknowledge God in, in every way and everything. Uh, like Brother LJ said, I am nervous. I don't like speaking in front of anyone. As soon as I get up here, everything leaves my mind. But I want you guys to continue to pray for me. Brother Brown mentioned something about two weeks ago about focusing on our weaknesses. I, I don't want to always focus on my weakness every single time where I, I don't allow my strengths to be some, uh, any good. So I want to keep getting up on my feet. I want to ask you guys to always encourage me to keep getting up on my feet, no matter how uncomfortable I may be, because to whom much is given, much is required. The Lord has given me so much, and I don't want to just sit on my seat and not give it out, not just Amen. give him thanks, not give him praise. Amen. Not, Amen. Go over my testimony. Paul went over his testimony so many times. So many times. Ultimately winning some people. Like, imagine someone who, who was zealous. I think the scripture says he was zealous in his ways um, against Christianity, thinking he's doing the right thing. And the Lord takes that and uses that in order to bring people unto him. That's, that's a wonderful thing. You know, so I want to keep giving my testimony over and over and over again. You guys are going to get tired of me. But that's okay. That's that's okay. That's how that's how I learn. I'm gonna be learning while I'm on my feet and learning how to lean on the Holy Ghost. And I'm so thankful to even have that, so that way I can um be the light. I think in um Matthew says that you are the light. If you could pull it up for me, if you could pull it up for me. Said Matthew five and verse fourteen, you are the light of this. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Um, so I don't want to put myself under a bushel or anything like that. I want to keep myself on top of the candlestick. Because yeah. once again, the Lord has done so much for me. And um, yeah, I ran out. <laughs> um, once again, pray for me because um, I do love this place and I do love the Lord. And I don't want to keep my mouth shut. I've always been quiet my whole entire life, but. I, I don't want to be, I want my good to be an enemy to my best. I want to always just keep climbing up a little higher, keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glad to be here. Glad to be in the meeting one more time. Glad to be amongst the people of God. Glad to be in the land of the living. Surrounded by lively stones, trying to build up a spiritual house. I was listening to the testimonies of the saints. I thought about the scripture. 
It says, you have come into the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to a innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. I'm so glad that we can come to a place like this where we be able to be taught the word of God, taught about this hope, taught about a great salvation. I was listening to the testimony of Brother Isaiah. I began to think about a scripture, I think it's in James. He said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work in patience, but let patience have a perfect word that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Well, wanting nothing, but it means lacking. Then it goes on to say, blesses the man that endures temptation. But when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all those who love him. And so I am thankful that the Lord has brought us to a place where we can be taught these things. Where we can be taught that happy is the man that endures temptation. Why are we happy? Because we have a hope. We know that the Lord is not allowing us to go through things for nothing. Even though we can't always see what he's doing, even though we can't always understand it, we know that he's working out something for our good. I think about that song, it says, I thank you, Lord. It says, for all the times that I could not see, that your hands were holding me. So we are thankful. We are thankful because it's so many times we've went through things. It's so many situations that we went through. So many things that happened that confused us that the Lord brought us out of, that it just did not make sense. But the Lord allowed us to see this day where we still have a hope, where we want to go on and be more like him. So I'm just appreciative for everything the Lord has done. And I want to be able to trust him. I want to be able to lean on him. I am thankful. I begin to think, as we have this great hope, whenever we go through these tough times, I believe it's Psalms 121. It says it like this. I will lift up my eyes into the hills, for which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth. He would not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keep of me, he will not slumber. Oh, he that keep of Israel will not slumber nor sleep. For the Lord is my keeper. He is the shade upon my right hand. So the sun, it won't smite me by day, nor the moon by night. Because he will preserve us from all evils. He will preserve our soul from this day forth and forevermore. So I'm so glad that we know that when we go through these things, we can look up, we can look to the Lord. We know he's a present help in a time of trouble. He know, we know he's our shield. He's our buckler. In the name of the Lord, it's a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe. So, Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've done. Oh, wretched man that we are, who is going to deliver us from this body of death? But I thank God that it's through Christ Jesus. He has given us a great hope. And I am thankful for that, that we have an opportunity to live and reign with him. I believe Paul says it like this. He says, when this corruption shall put on incorruptible, and when this mortal shall put on immortality, 
That which is written shall come to pass. Oh, uh, death is swallowed up in victory. Then he said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of death is, oh, uh, wait, for the death is, uh, no, for the sting of death is, is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But he says, but thank God, which gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm so glad that we have this hope. We sing this song and we believe in the promises that are in the book. And it says that we are going to win. Made me think about that scripture that says that him that has an ear. Let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. That him that overcome, he will not be heard of the second death. To him that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. To him that overcome, will I give to eat of the tree of life? He says, to him that overcome, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God? And he will go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. So I'm so glad that we have promises that we can be overcomers, that we can live, that we can reign with Jesus Christ. And I'm just thankful to be here. I just stood to say I'm happy. I'm just good to say it's good to see everyone, knowing that we are striving for such a great hope. So I just thank God for being here. Even what Brother Brown was talking about on Sunday, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, just the progression of a natural man going his way back to his long home, but having a personal relationship with the Lord. When we try it, our faith is tried, and these tests and things that we go through in our life, we can have full confidence in God that he will deliver. And if he doesn't, he still is worthy to be praised, and he's well able to deliver. And uh, I just was thinking as I was sitting in my seat how the meeting is going forward and uh, I was just even having this conversation with my wife and, you know, we are taught in this place to read. It's not what this, uh, a man is saying, uh, the scripture that says, let God be true and every man a lie. It's what the word of God is saying. We're taught to read. We're taught to read and read and read until we can ultimately get an understanding for ourselves that we can see the tree of life for ourselves and we can eat off of it. I'm so thankful for this ministry. I'm so thankful that they're teaching us how to live. They're teaching us. They're pointing us back to Christ. But having a personal relationship with the Lord, I even reflect back in my mind in Genesis chapter 18, talks about Abraham. How the Lord, he knew Abraham. He said, I know him. Uh, can we go to that? I think it's Genesis chapter 18. Uh, God said, I know him, that he'll command this house after me. You know, so he, uh, Abraham knew God and knew, knew him mean not that he just knew him, had a mental consent, but he had a personal relationship with God. And that's what we want to have. We want to have a relationship with God that we're just going to trust you, God. We're just going to fully commit ourselves. We be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For we know that our labor is not in vain. All of the times that we're driving up and down the highway just to get here and fellowship with the people of God. All of the times that we sacrifice and sowing into the kingdom of God. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He's not unrighteous. So it's not, we, we should count it all joy knowing that we can, we can suffer for the Lord. And so I'm thankful, saints of God, just having a made up mind. That Lord, I know you. I've been through whatever in my life, and, but you have brought me to this good day. So glory be to God. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. 
All the, all the time, uh, Brother Cody, all the times I could not see. Your hand was holding me. That's because I had a relationship with you. I was, I was trying to still get to know you, Father. I was still trying to learn your ways. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So I'm trying to learn your thoughts, Lord. I'm trying to learn how you move, what you need from me, what you want from me, what you want me to do. You want me to be a willing vessel. You want me to be a clean vessel. You want me to be a bride that can be presented to your son. So I'm so thankful to be here. Just having a personal relationship with God and knowing him. And the only way that we're going to get that, as Sister Karen was saying, is to read that good book. Getting our face in that book and reading it and reading it and reading it. And I was telling even, I was testifying to a gentleman the other day. Um, when I first came here, I read the Bible. I had no clue what that Bible was saying. I had no clue. But God is so merciful. He's so loving kind. He, when you come here, it's a question that you may have. You may not even have the audacity to ask it. But the Lord will touch one of these oxen's mouths. And he began to go down the scriptures on those things. And you just become enlightened. But that's because we hungered and thirsted after righteousness. And the Lord, he won't live, leave us unfilled. So I'm so thankful. I want a personal relationship with God. I don't want a personal relationship with finances. It's not a personal relationship with a job or even with my wife. But I have to be intimate. And I think about John chapter 17. I believe it's verse 3. He said, uh, this is life eternal. That they may know me. My God. That, can we read that scripture, please? I don't want to butcher it because that, that right there is the epitome of what we're trying to do. The book of Revelation is written about, is written about a revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's a relationship. Look, and this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So just having a relationship with God, saints of God, that we can go through the trials of this life. And then we, we can put on the armor of salvation. We can put on the breastplate of righteousness. We can have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We can have the, we have, we can have the sword of the spirit, which is, a, which is the word of God. And we can have the shield of faith. We can quench the fiery darts that happen up here of the wicked one. And that's a relationship with God. So I just wanted to encourage the people of God. Keep reading. Let's keep reading and get some understanding of the word of God. Because wisdom is the principal thing. But with all our getting, we want to get understanding. And that's a knowledge of God. So I'm thankful to be here, saints of God. God is so good to his people. He led us this way. He's given us the heart to want to obey. But he's more so he's given us our eyes that we can see what the whole plan and the duty of man is. It's to fear God and to keep his commandments. So hallelujah. Lord, I wasn't 100% sure, but I am now. <laughs> we used a single song and Brother LJ, I guess he forgot how to play the saxophone, but he would blow that horn. <laughs> I think I'll read it again. That mighty book of Revelation. And uh, I've heard it quoted out of quite a bit tonight. Uh, Brother Cody J looked like he was uh, inspired with those churches of Asia, and he was quoted out of that. And I think Brother uh, Felton just made reference to the very name of it itself. We don't call the book by a name. <laughs> we just call it Revelation. That's not the book's name. The book name is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the name of the book. And it's just that. It reveals the mind that God actually gave to Jesus Christ. And that's very imperative. It's very essential. 
because it was because of that revelation, that plan that God had shown his wonderful son, uh, that is, that he had for the New Testament church or for his body. It's because of that he was actually able to endure the cross and despise the shame. He was able to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason he was able to do it because of the revelation he had for the joy that was set before him. That's a revelation. That's what God had revealed to him. And God does nothing without a plan. He's just not a, a, a loose-type God. He's just not like that. He's a God of order. And because of the revelation, because of the understanding of the very vision of that God had shown to him, it empowered him. It's kind of like a person. I've used this many times because I never in my life had ever seen a tunnel. You know what a tunnel was. It's something we crawled through maybe for a few seconds, but not a real tunnel. The first time I came to home, as a young lad, my father worked here, and we drove through this tunnel. Going deeper and deeper in the ground, it's, it's dimly lit. Very rarely was it clean properly. And it actually suffered with a lot of things, and chlorophobia is one of them. I don't like being closed in. And so I start uh, hollering. My father said, what's wrong with you? I said, where are you taking me? I said, well, you're going to be out in a minute. Sure enough, we was out. But what endured him to go through it with such ease is because he understood it was just a means to get from one side to the other. And so sometimes it takes you away. You prefer not to go. I remember one time, after drove, I couldn't have been more than 12 or 13. I remember one time, he said, look, I'm going to give you a treat. You know, my father don't give you many treats. I'm thinking he's got some candy, something he want to give me took me around on Dunn Street and showed me the top of the tunnel. I said, that's where you came out from. That baffled me. Marvel at that. And uh, that's what a revelation to give you. It gives you an ability. gives you an ability to go places you wouldn't go and to not complain about things that would cause you to faint. You get a revelation that this is just a means to a better end, to a better you, to a better life. That's part of it. And so Christ said, well, he was the son of God. Yes, but he reminded himself as he did his disciples. He was the son of man. That is, that he was born of a woman. But all of the inheritance, inherited uh, temptations, weaknesses, disparity, perplexities, he suffered them all. He was in all points. Of course, we understand those points. There's only three, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, in the pride of life. He was in all points tempted as you and I, as we are, yet without sin. Doesn't mean that he had every single desire, every single thought that I have, but they all come from one of those three. And so he was touched with each one of those. What gave him the ability to endure it without complaining, without fainting, is a revelation that God had actually given him. And I'm so happy, I'm so thankful that the same revelation that God gave Christ that enabled him to endure his cross, he shared it with his people. If you can get it. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ is what he's sharing with you. And when you're reading the good word of God, it's your, it's your what's the right term? It's your preparatory, I use that terminology, it's your preparatory duty so that the Lord can actually touch your mind and give you the same revelation that he gave Christ Jesus. And just as it did for him, so it should do for you. Uh, the nation of Israel, I'll just give you a little backdrop before we even touch the book. Uh, all the things that was written, how Paul put it, written for our learning. 
that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures may have hope. Uh, the problem the nation of Israel had, they understood the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But that was the God of the past. They had no revelation of the God of now. And of course, faith is just that. Now faith is. It's a very present help in time of trouble. And so you can begin to see, because they did not have a very present revelation, a working knowledge of what God was not bringing them out of, they saw that. What he couldn't see is what God wanted to bring them to. But the only way to get to it, you had to get through it, like a tunnel. That's a pathway. This is not instant gratification. It's not instant glorification. There's a predestinated plan. And no man who's going to obtain to that world can circumvent it. There is no other way. You have to get through the flaming wars, which is the old and new covenant, those two witnesses, have an understanding of them both and the, uh, uh, the truth that each had. And because of that, every time they faced a trial, they mumbered. Every time they faced obstacles, they mumbered. Every time things didn't go their way, they complained. You realize, and this is something that I would to God and every one of us always keep in mind, as, as you're going through your daily living, the Lord has a cross beam. I guess you don't know what a cross beam is or cross. Uh, I used to hunt before I got saved. I don't think I hunted since I've been saved, and I was saved in 1985. We hunted with a, uh, we didn't have a scope. We had to line up the sight. And I remember about a year before I got saved, this would have been in 84, I went and bought me a Winchester 3030 and put me a scope on it, Brother Mike. A scope. You can adjust that scope according to the distance. All you have to do is put the crossbeam on the heart of whatever you're after. One shot and it'll drop. I was blown away with the accuracy of that scope. But it took away the art of hunting. It was really cheating. Because without that scope, you could have had real skills. You had to adjust your sight up and down according to how many yards away you thought it was. And if you couldn't do that, you could aim at I aim right, but you'll never hit your target. And so that scope made my ability to hit the target so easy, it was disingenuous. I actually lost interest in it. Of course, in the year after I got saved, I still have my 30-30, and 30-06. I have all my, my guns. I hadn't shot them in almost 40 years. Now, the point I'm making is <clears throat> I'm glad I came along in a time I didn't have all the trees. I couldn't hit a word, pull it up. Get to sight, I had to dig and spread books across my dining room table and uh, buying books and buying this and going here and going there. I had to toil. All you need is just an olive tree. Hit the word. But because something is so easy, it loses its value. It's too easy. You had to plow and you had to spend all night long, 10, 12 hours. My wife would watch me uh, in the night and walk through the house in the middle of the morning. I'm still up digging it. My mind captivated. But it gave me, slowly but surely, an appreciation of what was in this holy writ. And this book is not just any book. Uh, Matter of fact, Brother Cody talked to me about Revelation. I heard him quote it, blew my mind, and after you. And so I think we'll start it tonight. I didn't have a time or a plan when. I think we'll start that mighty book of Revelation. Uh, it'll give you just that, the revelation that God gave Jesus. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Can't do it all in once. It's a marathon. But as God will give us grace, uh, it would help you just to see the vision. First, I'd like to introduce a couple concepts so you don't have to be dismayed. I told you numerous times, this Bible is broken up into three elements. Every scholar, 
every, a scholar is one who studied. Every scholar would have to acknowledge that there's three phases. There really is three phases. First, uh, the word of God. Uh, I'll use this in order. Uh, I may. It's history. It is. Let me go backwards. First is prophecy. You read the book of Revelation. It is history. Most of the book of Revelation is history. It's historical. It really is. There is some portion that's prophecy. The reason I want to give you that is because the only way to prove prophecy is by history. It hasn't been fulfilled. If the prophecy hadn't been fulfilled, you can't prove it. It's just an interpretation of things to come. You might have it right. You might have it wrong. You can't prove prophecy until prophecy becomes fulfilled and then it becomes history. Are you following me? You won't get any other way. Hence is why prophecy is the least important of the three elements. You, you, prophecy has importance because it gives you a vision of the future. But you can get all your prophecy wrong. But if you get any of your principles wrong, doesn't mean you might not get a resurrection, but you cannot obtain through the first resurrection. It's first principles. If all of your principles has to be correct. Your principles is what develop your character or your characteristics. And when someone is lacking in their characteristics, which is to me is synonymous with your integrity, you lack it in your principles, you're going to be lacking in your integrity. And if you lack it in your integrity, you're a long way in any aspect from obtaining to the first resurrection. And so the most important is the principles that's in this Bible. That's what develop your character or your integrity, which cannot be or should not be compromised. It shouldn't be compromised because of personal feelings, or because of vendettas, because someone doing you wrong, or because you're suffering. Your integrity cannot be compromised. And the only way you'll get to that point is because you have all of your principles out of the good word of God nailed down. It's a nail in a sure place, which is given by the masters, one given by the shepherd, so the masters or the elders of the assemblies. With that being understood, so you have prophecy, and then that's the most important, and the least important, because you can get all of your prophecy wrong. No, promise I got it backwards. You got to get all your principles right. And the last one is prophecy, which you can get all of them wrong, because prophecy does not affect your character. God is not interested in your modification of your personality. He's not trying to change your personality. What he's changing is your character, your integrity, which cannot be compromised. Are you with me, saints? And so here we pound the principles of God. The one between the principles and the prophecy is doctrine. Uh, you can get some of your doctrine wrong, depending on which one it is, and still obtain to the first resurrection. Get some of your doctrine wrong. You really can. Everything is not unto salvation. But the doctrine that pertains to that which affects your principles, you can't miss that. You can. I'll give you some simple examples. It's not difficult to do. Uh, most of our dear brethren throughout the religious world, in the body, out the body, believe in a natural restoration for a natural Israel. That's their doctrine. They really believe it, which is erroneous. But that has nothing to do with your salvation because that doctrine really is part of your expectation or your, your prophecy. It has nothing to do with your character. The reason we put a big emphasis on it is because that doctrine can affect your, your character. 
if you're not careful. Because what you're saying is God is a respectful person. He's going to give this nation two opportunities, these people two opportunities, everyone else gets just one. Or just because you're born of a certain pedigree, uh, God is going to show special favor to you. But the Bible tells you both in the left and the Old Testament, left hand and the right hand, which is the New Testament, God is no respect a person. That's a fact. And if in it, the nation that they call Israel today, if it looked like I did and had my paint job, they wouldn't feel the same way. It's because they're European uh, people. And so they make provisions for them. And by the way, and this is not anti-Semitic at all, but the, uh, the atrocity that's being done to the Palestinians' people. And then you want to criticize Russia for what they're doing in Crimea. And I'm not angry. And so because of that, anything he do, he's an arch enemy. But the nation of Israel is killing indiscriminately. The Pakistanians, 26,000 citizens has lost their life because they lost 1,400. You think that's just? I'm not getting on that, but I'm just showing you how your doctrine, in and of itself, the doctrine is indamnable. But when it affects your partiality, and God has no respect to person, that doctrine just condemns you. Are you following me, saints? And so everything is not unto salvation unless it affects your principles. You got diver weights, you have diver measure, you've lost some of your integrity. And if you don't have the integrity, you are a security risk to God. So he can't give you a revelation that God gave uh, to him. He cannot. You are a security risk. Uh, are you following the saints of God? And so to get this revelation, uh, you have to see God. Qualifications to see God, I don't mean seeing his physical being, because God addresses that numerous times, both in the Old and New Testament, New Covenant. No man can see God and live. You can't see his being. First of all, I can tell you how he looks. That'll help you to understand you can't see him. He's a spiritual being. The problem with God is his being, if you saw him, you couldn't live because in him there is no darkness. God is light. If you got close enough to the sun, what would happen to you? You would disintegrate. Because there is no light in God. There is no darkness in God. He's actually brighter than the sun. Uh, just even with a veil over his face, Moses' face shone from being in his very, that wasn't even the very presence of God. That was a similitude, but it's blinding. And so there's no way my flesh would consume. Yours would too uh, in this state, in this body. Uh, that's enough of that. I'm just I'm trying to prep your mind because it's not the type of book you can just jump into. The preparation of the heart and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. It's not a... It's not as deep as you think it is, and people think it is. It's not deep. It's just mystical. The first thing to understand about the book before we even break the lid on it, there's nothing in the book of Revelation literal. Everything in it is symbolic. It's not, it's nothing in it literal. Every word in there, every description, every term in it is symbolic. Why does he write that way? Well, the disciples got disgusted one time. Very vexed with Christ. And our 13th chapter of the book of uh, Matthew, same thing as in the 8th chapter of the book of Luke, and the same thing as in the 4th chapter of the book of uh, Mark. He said, Lord, why do you speak to them in parable? Because the Bible said he spoke in parable without a sparrow speaking not to the people. It was frustrating those apostles because when he's speaking in parables, they didn't understand it either. It was only when he was alone, if he asked them, he would explain it. And so it was irritating. They said, why do you speak to them in parables? He says, so in seeing, they would not see. In hearing, they would not hear. Because at any time, they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and be converted, 
and I should save them. I thought you'd come to save. He didn't come to save everybody. He came to save that which was lost to sheep. He came to select a group to bring them into the garner, and the rest, he's going to judge them with an unquenchable fire, which is 70 AD. He only came to extract a remnant. He came at the end of the Jewish world to extract a remnant to put them in a garner to birth the New Testament church. So he didn't come to save all of them. He came to judge them. He came to judge them. And, uh, and so you can see how easy it is to get the Bible mixed up quite easily. And same thing in the book of Revelation. It's parabolic. And so everybody can't get the Bible and go down and say, I see the plan God has given Christ and Christ given to the church. It's hidden from the wise and the prudent. It's only revealed to someone who's a babe. You're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. You read and you read it. It's the reason it's the last book in the Bible. Not because it's so mystical. It's because it's more difficult to a carnal person to understand really is. And uh, I think I'll start here. I think we got a good prep. Uh, let's go to it. And then to get this revelation, a desire this revelation, what you never want to do is get knowledge for knowledge's sake because knowledge will puff you up, as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. People love to have preeminence over one another. One of the things that can equip your person to hold, uh, to hold other people's admiration towards you is knowing what they don't know. But in Christ, what you know and someone else doesn't know is your liability. He said, freely you receive, freely you give. So the more you do know and understand, the more obligated you are to get it out. And in the world, they use it to have a preeminence. Over here, we have to serve with it. Someone quoted, to whom much is given, you're required to give away everything you have, and when you breathe your last breath, you're not taking anything valuable with you. Everything God has given you, you're giving it away. Everything. And so this is an upside-down tree. It really is. Our roots are right side up. Our roots is in heaven. And so we don't use knowledge to have preeminence or use knowledge to look down on someone or to begrade someone or to belittle someone. It's your obligation to hold them up. Okay. Uh, first... I don't know what translation of Bible you have. See at the top it says the revelation of St. John the Divine? That's Catholicism. Erase that out of your mind. I hope I know St. Paul. I know we've got one right next door. But if you call your facility St. This and St. That, you're looking like your mama. You know your mother is, don't you? Babylon the Great, she's the mother of harlots. Taking on one of her titles. <laughs> but I have to tell you the truth because the Lord will hold me accountable for what I don't say to you. I like to do it with as much grace as God grant to me. So this is not the revelation of St. John, the divine. By the way, St. John wasn't the divine. There's only one divine. The first verse, the first chapter, I'll tell you what the book is. It's the revelation of who? Not the revelation of St. John. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what this book is, which God gave unto him. So God gave the revelation of his plan of things present, of things that were soon to be, and things that was going to be hereafter. God showed that to Christ, and because he saw it, it was the joy that was set before him. If he could endure this cross, he could bring many sons, that is, unto, uh, unto glory. Thank you, brothers. And so let's just consider these scriptures real slowly. Uh, this is the revelation of who? 
Not who? Not St. John the Divine. Their terminology is Catholicism. They canonize people and make them saints. You can't canonize John. John was a saint, but he wasn't St. John. Matthew was a saint, but he wasn't St. Matthew. We're all saints, and we don't use titles. Uh, that's Catholicism. This is which God gave unto him, and here's why he gave it. To show unto his servants. So look at the revelation. Look at the order. God gave it to Christ, and Christ gave it to his servants. He can't give what he didn't have. So God gave it to Christ, and Christ gave the principles of giving things away. So he gave it to his servants. Now, what it doesn't say here, and it's proven and it's implied uh, redundantly, is faithful servants. Not just any servants, but the faithful servants. And to be faithful over much, you have to first be faithful over little. If Jesus put it like this, he said, if you're not faithful that which is another man, who will commit to you true riches? And so if you're not faithful in someone else's uh, vision and knowledge and understanding, then how's God going to touch your mind to go past that? I've said this statement, and I've never said it before. I don't know why it came out. It's true. Uh, I guess because we're talking about landmarks, I was talking about them, and people can't get past what their fathers in the gospel taught them. You're a sad person. If my kids can't exceed me, and if these brethren can't go further than me, then I was a pitiful father. I lived my life in vain. And by the way, this is not to indict anybody, but if you're living a life, and your life is for you, and yours, your kids, your husband, your wife, your mama, your daddy, and you die like that, you live a very pathetic life. If you didn't affect nobody but your own, you lived a very selfish and pathetic life. If I can only love me and my four and no more, I'm a pitiful being. The world is too small. It's much too small. You can't see God and you can't see any further than your relationships. And so Jesus wasn't like that. And he told his disciples, freely you receive. He gave it to them without charge. Freely you give. But it did cost him. It cost him their time. It cost him their attention. It cost him bearing through trials. But it didn't cost him with money. Brother Mike, he said, you don't quote that no more. Uh, uh, come you. Fine, without milk, and that's brother Mike. It'd be your favorite scripture. What happened to you, sir? Got another one, huh? Yeah. But brother Michael wouldn't miss more than two weeks without quoting it. I don't care what he was talking about. Somehow that's going to seep out his pores. How you tie that into your subject? <laughs> that's just brother Mike. That was his. What happened, brother Mike? He forgot. He got old. Forgot the verse, right? Yeah, you still got no problem. Well, the, the point I'm making is watch, watch this order. I'm going to go back and I'll do this quite a bit because you've got to keep your mind locked down. A revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants the things which must be, I'm sorry, which must shortly come to pass. Now remember when he wrote this, he's writing about Christ. And so that aspect is going to be historical. We'll read it and we'll get into it. That part is historical. And these were things from the time that Christ was living God showed him what was going to shortly be. So that would be history for us. That's 2,000 years ago. I want you to watch these three things it addresses. Okay, the first one, which must shortly come to pass. When people read it, they try to apply that to us. It wasn't talking about us. It's talking about Christ and his disciples, which is going to shortly come to pass for them, but it's history to you and I. Okay, that's one. And, uh, <laughs> and he sent and signified it by his angel, wow, unto his servant John. 
Why did he give it to John? Why not one of the other apostles? Why not Peter? Why not Paul? Uh, why one of the other apostles? Because John was the last one living. All the rest had been put to death, had been martyred. By the way, none of them died from old age. Every one of them was martyred, without exception. He's the last left. The church at this time had already fallen away. Been in a bit state. A lot of confusion. A lot of woolly ideas. A lot of ungodliness had already crept into the church. And uh, these things was taking place while John was living. It had to be very disheartening. Even the churches that Paul had established, for which John was the now the caregiver, had to grieve his heart. Very few was walking in the light. Of course, uh, Jesus' half-brother, name was Jude. Uh, they had the same mother, just had different father. It does name his brothers, Jude, Simon, various ones. That was for them. It named him, but Jude had a revelation uh, of what was going to happen. That's why he wrote that we should, he should earn his content for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. He said, for men crept in, unaware, ungodly men, turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Uh, even denying the Lord, that is Jesus Christ, who brought them. And so that church had already began this downward descent, began to fall away. Well, Jude wasn't one of the original apostles, but he became a very studious disciple of the apostles. And so he wrote, that's the last book before the book of Revelation. And so John saw even Jude death. And so no doubt, uh, to some degree, his life was very grieving. By the way, they did try to kill him. They did the best they could. They boil him in, it's historical. Read Fox's Book of Monarch, Josephus. They boil him in oil. How do you boil a man in oil and he don't die? He didn't die. And so they decreed, we'll put him on the Isle of Patmos and let the animals live. But while he's on the Isle of Patmos, now he's away from all family, all friends, all disciples, nobody but him. God let him see what God showed to the Father. And now John was able to write back to the church. By the way, he didn't die on our patimism. He was restored. And uh, that is back to his land of uh, nativity. And uh, it, he was asked to actually take this letter and was able to send it to all the churches. But just like uh, we don't read the governed mail in the United States to some degree. But if I wrote listening funds from you and I'm lying, and I'm uh, cheating. They call that mail fraud. You do serious time for putting something in the mail that's not true. That's called mail fraud. And so, how would you know it's mail fraud? Somebody had to prove what was written. And so what John did, because he wasn't in the United States of America, was just a young lion, hadn't been born yet. Get this letter out. Uh, the carriers, which was Roman citizens, would read everything. So he wrote in metaphoric language. That only one could understand what he was saying was people who knew what the beast was and knew what the dragon was. They understood those terminology. And so you can read the letter, and it's just like this man, that oil they boil him in might not kill him, but it's Friday brain. But it's a harmless letter, they deliver it. Oh, it wasn't a harmless letter. It was talking about Rome, and it was talking about that Catholic church was assumed to come into being, and he never knew it. Had they knew it, the letter would have been destroyed. And so he wrote in metaphors, he wrote in pictures and type and allegories. Are you listening to me, saints? So to really understand it, you have to get the keys. 
K-E-Y-S. Did I pronounce the spelling right? I got it right. It's the five letter words give me trouble. <laughs> the point being is this, and this is what, they didn't even use the keys they was given in the 11th chapter of the book of Luke, the 52nd verse. Jesus railed on the religious element of that day. Woe unto you, you lawyers, you've taken away, you're not entering to the kingdom of God, and those that were entering, you hinder them. How did you do it? By taking away the keys of knowledge. And so if you don't have keys, you can't unlock what's being said. And the easiest thing in the world to puff up is flush. People think more highly of themselves than they ought to. You think you know what you don't know. You think you can see what you can't see. How do you know I can't see? I'm watching you bump your head against facts. Watch you bump your head against established order. That means you can't see. I don't despise you for it. I, I hurt for you. I wish you could see. And it's a reproach on me if you're sitting in this assembly and you can't see. If you've been here for six months and you're blind, I'm hurt. It, it, it crushes me to see people not see or not learn under this watch because I am accountable. I have prayed before. Lord, I tried. I've tried. I've bared. I've forbeared. I can't. This one you have to take back. I have prayed that prayer only once, but there's nothing I could do. And I want the Lord to know you can't lay this to my charge. I'm telling you I can't get no fruit here. Don't like to do that because before you know it, God will just simply take his, his biggest candlestick back to you. Shine what light you want to shine, who you want to shine on. That's the only time in my years of being saved I've ever done. I did it once. I trust God never to do it again. Uh, but let's go on. Uh, and he sent and signified by his angel unto the servant John. This is going to get pretty interesting. This is talking about John now. This angel. God sent, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ is just the spirit of prophecy. I'll explain that to you as we go on. That is the testimony of Jesus Christ. When you're speaking by the inspiration of the Almighty, it's going to be the testimony of Jesus Christ. Someone up talking, and it doesn't glorify Christ, it doesn't lift him up, it doesn't reveal him to the people, that's not testimony of Jesus Christ is your personal testimony, which is useful, it's needed. But it's the testimony of Jesus Christ that you, when you're standing before the people of God, that spirit of prophecy. Uh, the spirit of prophecy is the inspiration of the Almighty. There's a spirit in man. It's the inspiration of the Almighty giving them understanding. And so here it is. Let's get a little bit further. Uh, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things. Wow. All things that he saw. Here it is. So this book is going to cover is going to cover everything that God showed Jesus, and Jesus showed the apostles, and in particular, he showed John the whole plan, the details. You know, those apostles put to death thinking that Jesus was going to come at any time. They didn't understand the time gap. It wasn't revealed to them at that time. So they thought any moment he would actually come. Well, that's true for the person alive, but not as for a people. That they couldn't really see. Let's keep reading. But John did because of this revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to him. First thing you want to do before you do anything else, I want you to read this verse real slowly with me. Blessed is he that read it. Let's hear it again. Blessed is he that Read it. One more time. Blessed is he that read it. Wow. It's a prerequisite. And they 
that hear the words of this prophecy. That's not hearing with the flap on the side of your head. That hearing is what the Spirit is saying to his people. Word his people means the church. Church is not the building. It's the people whom God is dealing with that Christ is their head. Here's the qualifications. Now you can see it. When they hear it and the words of his prophecies, they have to keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Wow, for what? Not for the judgment of the Jewish world. That had happened some 20 years earlier. The uh, uh, nation of Israel had been destroyed. The remnant had been scattered to four corners of the earth. And wherever they gathered, that was the carcass. It's a body without life. There the eagles, which is the vulture, was gathered together to keep destroying them. The eagle there being the Gentiles. Sorry, not being the Gentiles, being Rome. Rome in signal was an eagle. And wherever those Jews gathered, Romans were still, you know, every male, every male Israelite was put to death. They didn't care too much about the women. They raped them. But they, what they did to see the life is in the man. So they destroyed the people. They destroyed every male. Make sure you could not repopulate. I'm going to say whole intent. Wherever there was a colony group, they went and killed you. Every male. It was open season. Jesus Christ warned about that. I have to tie the history so you can see it. He warned about that. He said uh, in the 24th chapter of the book of, of, of Matthews and also in the uh, 21st chapter of the book of Luke, he warned about that, a time to come. He said those should be the days of tribulation. That's not for the church. That was talking about for the Israel of old. And uh, he said except those days should be short, there should no flesh be saved. That's talking about Jewish flesh. But some spared, but there was women. Every male was annihilated, the ones they could find. Eliminate that race of people. Let's just keep reading. I, I didn't mean to get too much on that. Watch this. Now, I want you to follow this carefully. Verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. That's interesting because in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, go down through Turkey, we call Turkey Asia Minor. Spread the gospel there first, and he made his way all the way over to Asia. And these are churches. Paul established these churches. And by the way, these churches are not spattered just sporadically out there. If you take the time and look them up, they're on a, they're on a main king's highway, on a road. And these are one city after the other one. It's the route he took. And those are not the only cities he established in Asia. These were specifically selected because of the names. And the name was reflecting a dispensation of the church age. And so that's why these seven churches are named because they have significant signification to the church of the things that we would go through by the interpretation of what those names are. There's many churches. I do acknowledge, I won't, I won't deny that, these are the metropolitan cities. It's a metropolitan city, but it's the plan of God. I think he says in Amos 3, what is that, 3 and 7? Surely the Lord would do nothing till he revealed his secrets to his servants, the prophet. And so before God would do anything, there are some people God's going to show what he's doing. And, uh, and these, these revelation of the dispensations of the church is what he's dealing with. His people, he used these selected seven churches because of their names and the interpretation will show you what the church age would go through. Are you following me so far? Anywhere at, I mean, remember we had all nights and all rights. And we'll have a meeting until about 9 o'clock, right about now, and we'll dismiss the congregation for everybody got to go home and eat and sleep and do all those things. Everybody who was serious, come on back. We'll get on it, and we wouldn't stop to the sun. One time we went through the whole book of Revelation. Remember that? 
in one night, the whole book. But that was long years ago. I've since learned some sense. <laughs> but tonight's so beautiful. It's all, it's all right. It does take time. And now, first, take the appetite. You have to cultivate an appetite in people that they want to know these things. The prophecy we can't prove. You can't prove what's going to happen in the future till it happens. But you can learn a lot from the history of it. And when you get enough of it, history has been fulfilled. That which has not been fulfilled is a very small portion. You say he didn't miss anything else. Why would he miss this? It builds your confidence the rest is going to happen as he stated. So here we go. And this is from Jesus Christ, not just from this angel, and from Jesus Christ, who is, and this is why I say these servants are not just everybody who's a servant. Because Jesus was not just a witness. The key word is faithful witness. Who is the faithful witness? So when he says to the servants, the same is implied. Faithful servants, not just any servant, faithful. Faithful in what? Faithful in all things. Faithful in all things. Otherwise, it's just words that can never be understood unless the Lord touch our minds. Okay, and of the first begotten of the dead. Every one of these verses impregnated. I think I need to squeeze the oil out of this one. When he says first begotten of the dead, Jesus Christ was not the first man to resurrect. He raised Lazarus, didn't he? He raised his widow in, in uh, Naaman, didn't he? Naaman, didn't he? But he did not. Did not Elijah raise the dead? So Jesus was not the first one that came from the grave. But why did he say he's the first begotten from the dead? He's the first one that got up and never tasted death. And that has dualities in it. The dead he's talking about is not just graveyard dead. He's the first one that was an overcomer. He is the first overcomer. So he's the first begotten from the dead. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's the beginning of the first resurrection. It's just the beginning. And it doesn't mean that you're part of the first resurrection. You've begun your resurrection. And as you overcome it, you, you were begotten. Or, I mean, uh, Peter makes that statement uh, that we're being born again. You were born again when you was conceived and came forth with the Holy Ghost. And then he says, being born again you're being born again as you're overcoming. And once you have overcome, now you are born again. You have finished your birth, and so now you're a new creature. Does that make sense to you? But Jesus Christ was the first one who was begotten from the dead. He's the first overcomer. That's what he's making reference to. Why? Because he was a faithful witness. Okay. Uh, first begotten from the dead, and then he's the prince of the kings of the earth. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. Wow. By the way, you can take this, it's talking about President Biden, Prime Minister, that's not what he's talking about. Who's the kings of the earth? He stopped me. You know, this is a Friday night. We yes, like sir. to get in charge, but it's a good time. These brothers have laid it out. I will jump into this wonderful book. I won't kill you. I won't dry you out. We'll stop at a reasonable time, but you got to develop an appetite. You got to develop an appetite. And by the way, you know, I like not leading people. It's a, suit, it's, a, it's a time for milk. It's a time for nourishment. And it's a time for some Gerber's baby food. Then it's a time for something a little more potent. Then it's time for some things that's a little bit more challenging to comprehend. But you need that. 
need it all because you need to have a vision beyond just a moment. Uh, otherwise, you think this life is about your trials and your tests and uh, your, your tribulations and your persecutions and your challenges and your finances and your marriage and your health and your son and your daughter and your chicken and your geese and your duck and your job. You get consumed and think that's what it's all about. Absolutely not. That's for baby. We got to walk past that. He's something way beyond that. If in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, then we are of, of all men, most miserable, and all we can see is ourselves, we're still babes. So, yes, Brother Mike, go ahead. No, sir. In verse 4, you mentioned the seven churches of Asia, uh, but you didn't go any further. Grace be unto you, peace from him which is, which was, which is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Thank you, you so much, Brother Michael. Okay, I appreciate that. Skipped it. Don't let me do any of that. I did stop at the first portion, a part of that verse. Yes. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. That's not talking about Christ. It's talking about God the Father. Sometimes, duality in it. But this is talking about God the Father. How do you know that, Brother Brown? Read real carefully. And from the seven spirits, which are before his throne. The seven spirits, by the way, Christ do have a throne. The throne here is not talking about like a king. It's a position from which he ruled. But when it talks about before his throne, that's God the Father. How do you know that? Because that's where the seven spirits are before his throne. And everything God sees, he sees by these seven spirits. That in uh, these seven spirits, you can read them Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, 2, and 3. These seven spirits are the seven eyes of God that go through the, through the earth. This is how he sees you and judges you. This is how he judges me. It's by these seven spirits. And uh, uh, go ahead and read a little bit of them. I, can, I don't even trust myself to quote them properly. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter. You will see these terms three times. The seven spirits of God. They're called the seven eyes of God. And this is before his throne. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, 2, and 3. Uh, thank you for not letting me skip over that. And this gets a little tricky. It's normally when it's talking about Christ and when it's talking about the Father. And so you have to ask yourself, who's here? Well, the context. Read real carefully the context to show you when it's talking about the Father or when it's talking about his Son. Because they both have thrones. Jesus Christ said to him that overcome that I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sit with my father in his throne. Well, how many thrones are up there? Well, I'm going to have a throne. But might you have one? I suppose so. It's just simply mean the position from which you're going to rule when you're in the bride. When it's your turn to rule. Or you're going to be broken up into courses. And so the throne just means the position from which you, you're ruling. To clean the earth up. It's the New Testament church that came out of Jesus Christ, out of his piercing side. Remember how Adam was on, the, uh, was on the earth and God put him into a deep sleep, pierced him in the side, I'm sorry, pulled out of his side a rib and made for him a wife. You remember that? Well, that's the same thing with Christ. He was put to sleep through the things of this world. He was put to death. They pierced him in the side and forthwith came blood and water. He said not blood only, but blood and water. The blood represents the Holy Ghost. The water represents the Word of God. You, you, uh, you've been washed by the washing of the water of the Word. And this is how you get into the body of Christ. And so the reason I'm pointing that out 
is that rod that comes out of that stem. That's the New Testament church. Go ahead, Brother Mike. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon now, him. Now, watch these things carefully. He's going to give you the seven spirits of God that he uses. And the so the Spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon him. Remember how Jesus came about, uh, that is, the river of Jordan after he was baptized by John? You remember that in the third chapter? And the Bible says that uh, the Holy Ghost, in the form of a dove, descended upon him. You remember that? That's the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him. You remember in the fourth chapter, the 16th verse of the book of Luke, when Jesus went into the temple, as was his custom, and he found the place where it was written, that is back in Isaiah chapter 61, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me. And so uh, that was the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him. Now go ahead, watch these spirits. And by the way, these seven spirits of God, these attributes, is called the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ are these seven spirits of God that was made completely manifested in Christ. So then between the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Ghost, yeah. and the Spirit of Christ, which is his attribute. He had all seven of these attributes. Are you all following me? Am I losing you? Oh, it's night now. You get a little tired, but set me for a moment. Is that all right? Set me for a moment. Go ahead. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Okay. Wisdom. I want, I want to get on this subject. I want to go back. Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom, who's using knowledge and understanding are right. Go ahead, sir. That's two. Spirit of counsel and might. Counsel and might. That's four. Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That's six. And shall make him of quick, quick understanding. Quick understanding. Quick, quick, quick. In the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. You couldn't, you couldn't deceive him? It was a living, it was a quick understanding. When they came to him and tried to catch him in his speech, Brother quick Michael, they baffled at his answer because his mind was so quick. The Holy Ghost quickened him. They say, Master, they've got the Herodians with them. They say, is it lawful to pay tribute unto Caesar? Now, he said, give, them, give it to Caesar. The Jews would have stoned him. They hate paying taxes. And if he had said, don't pay it, then the Herodians, uh, brother, they would have took him into captivity on the spot. He said, bring me a coin. Looked at this coin. He showed it to the people. He said, whose superscription is on this coin? They said, Caesar. Give it back to them. Say, so you give to Caesar the things which are Caesar, and to God the things that are God. They was baffled. Quick understanding. You couldn't catch him in his speech. His understanding was too quick. He said, why are you tempting me, you hypocrites? Too quick. He understood your motive, your intent, your thoughts. Too quick. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And those same attributes is to abide in this branch, that is the church, and you and I individually. And so those are called the seven spirits of God. That's through which God sees everything and everybody. That's how he weighs your spirit, according to these attributes. To be complete, the word seven means complete. Those manifestations has to be in our being. has to be who we are. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you do have, you do have them. It's what you give yourself to, what you cultivate. It's like a ball player. You have some natural talents, no doubt about it. You're athletic. But if you don't give yourself to that sport, Day and night, you will never be the best you could be. Might be better than somebody, but you're not good enough. And all honesty, uh, Brother Michael, I never told you that you was a better ball player than me. No, you was. <laughs> uh, I, and for those who can't hear him, his response was, I never told you that I knew this, Brother Brown. I kind of figured you thought you were. No, but you were. You were. I was just making a lot of noise and trying to talk you down. But you could ball. 
And every time I missed the ball and slapped you across the face and said I was, I was sorry, I wasn't sorry. <laughs> uh, they'll tell you, don't, don't you come in inside. You shoot out there. Don't you come back up and take me to the hoop no more. <laughs> but you was a better ball player. But was, uh, you had nothing else to do but play ball or go to jail. That's all you had in the back of town. So the point I'm making is you give yourself to something, you become very good at it. And you can tell who gave themselves the most by what's manifesting. That's why you was better than me. You got to give yourself to wisdom and understanding, knowledge and counsel. You got to give yourself to that. You got to practice being quick. Be swift to hear, as how James put it, and slow to speak. Our problem is we our mouth talk before you ever put your transmission in, in place. You don't know what you're going. Come up, it comes out. You got to be swift to hear and slow to speak. I mean, you got to have a quick understanding before you open your mouth. And the slower you is to comprehend the situation, the environment, who you're talking to and what's the motive, the slower you ought to be to talk. Sometimes it's good to say nothing. Sometimes it's good just to cry. Let's just let tears run out. Look at this fool. You ever, you ever done that? You ever cry? You talk to somebody who's just showing stuff a fool? Tears run out. You say, my job. Go to church yet? Well, you know I go to your church, but Brown. No, you don't. I didn't tell him that, but uh, let's get back to this uh, revelation real quick. I need to at least try to God give me grace to finish the first chapter. I doubt if I make it all the way through. It takes time to do this justice all the way through like that. Uh, you can't do every verse by verse, but we'll get enough. Uh, so we finish verse 4, the seven spirits which are before his throne. I want you to get a Bible that you can write in. Now, please, when you're doing a Bible study, an intense one, if your Bible is nice and pretty and you don't want to mess it up, leave that one at home. You need a Bible that you can highlight mark. Because this statement here, uh, from this and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, you have to underline that. Underline or put a circle around it. Because that's going to reoccur. That's how we establish. I don't want to keep flipping too much. That's talking about God the Father and not about Jesus. Okay. Then he says, and from, that's another key. He says, now listen to you real carefully. All things will be proven by the scriptures. Read it in its context and pay attention to what you're reading. Grace and peace to you and peace, I'm sorry, grace unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and is to come, and from seven spirits which are before his throne. Underline that. Seven spirits before his throne. And here's a conjunction. And from Jesus Christ. So he couldn't have been talking about Jesus Christ the preceding verse. It says, and Jesus Christ. He didn't say which is Jesus. He say and. That's in addition to. So that's God the Father, then there's the Son. Okay? And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. He's the faithful witness. He's the first overcomer. He's the first true and faithful witness. Uh, and the first begotten of the dead. We talked about that. And the prince of the kings of the earth. That's your bride members. Uh, and unto him, unto him that love us, this is talking about Christ, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins, how? In his own blood. Verse 6, and has made us kings and priests unto God. Showing you there's a God, then there's his son. To God and his father. You watch this carefully. To him be glory, this is talking about the father, and dominion ever and ever. And John says, I agree. That's what amen means. Behold, he, who's the he? They're still talking about Christ. He cometh with clouds, 
You want to underline that word. That's not natural clouds. That's a cloud of witnesses. Therefore, seeing we have such a great cloud of witnesses. What's that? Hebrews chapter 12 and 1. Therefore, seeing we'll come pass about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, come upon us. By the way, I listen to you talking about tests, I mean your tribulations, trials. Let me help you with this. Because we're having a mature setting tonight. Your biggest trials that you face is not financial, it's not marital, it's not physical. Your biggest trial you face is the same one Christ faced. Being tempted. That's a tribulation that every one of us face continuously. What do you mean tribulation? Working death in us that we don't pass it. Your biggest test is sin, tempting you. Nobody talks about that tribulation. Talk about things that seem intangible. That's not temporary. That's not your biggest, that's not your biggest test. Yeah. But it's talking about temptation to sin. Let's go on. That's the sidebar. Okay. Behold, you're coming with clouds. That's clouds of witnesses. Let me clarify that. He's coming first in the cloud. And these are clouds of witnesses. And he's coming with the cloud. You have to understand the difference. In the cloud is a restored church. That's in clouds. Then he's going to come with clouds. That's coming to judge. And we say every eye shall see him. I first got saved. I didn't know where to find the Lord. At the truth of the word of God. Uh, it was called TBN. Trinity Broadcast Network. Should have known right then you got it wrong. Because I didn't know what Trinity was. This is what you name it. Trinity Broadcast Network. There is no Trinity. So to show you that you unlearned. And his name was Couch. Crouch. And what he said is that because of this satellite all over the world, this is God gave him this ability to set up the first worldwide Christian network. And God's going to use this when Christ comes. He's going to put his, he's going to put his uh, cameras on it, and every eye is going to see Christ. This is how he's coming so everybody can see him. That's why God gave him the ability to set up TBN. Isn't that pitiful? When you say every eye, that's not everybody who got two sockets in their head. There's every eye that's looking for him. There's every eye that's open. You're going to see him in his people. You're not going to see him on TBN. I'm sorry, sir. You keep looking for him that way, and when uh, the first vial is poured out, you'll be in it. That's a falsehood. Every eye shall see him. That's every eye that's looking for him. That's every eye that's open. That's every eye. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's not seeing his manifold, uh, his physical being. That's the manifestation of his being. You'll see him in his people. Are you with me, saints of God? Okay. And behold, he's coming with clouds. This is going to be a judgment here. But he's going to come in first. And then every eye that is that open shall see him. And they also which pierced him. Who pierced him? You say the Jews. Well, they did. But it was a religious element he's talking about. The religious element is going to see him. How are they going to see him? In Revelation chapter 11, when he's two witnesses. 
when they ride, they're laid in the street. That's the Old and the New Testament, the teaching of Moses, the teaching of Christ. When they rise up and a cloud is going to receive them, that's how, get that for me, Revelation chapter 11. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to pull back because I think you all about had as much you can take tonight. Uh, I hope I got you inspired enough to want to read the book again. You're going to read it anyway. We're in the book of Hebrews. You're fast approaching it. I can give you some keys. Again, this is prophecy and it's history. The history you need to get right. The prophecy I won't fight with you to get it wrong. But you get enough of the history, you can see the prophecy. You really can. Uh, it's kind of like uh, a brother Michael. If you drop a plumb line and you measure from one wall to the other wall, you get on the opposite side of that wall, you don't have the plumb line. But I can pretty well tell you where it's going to be based upon what's already established. You can see the projectory. The same way in prophecy. When you can see enough of the projection, you can pretty well tell where the rest is going to be. And so it's not mystical at all. But as you get that from in Revelation chapter 11, uh, down toward the end, let me get it for you. Uh, mm -hmm. 11 and 12, thank you. Well, I'll, let me read it just real quickly. Verse 11. After three days, that's 1,260 years, and we'll get into that as we go further, and a half, that's 360 years, the spirit of life, that's the Holy Ghost, from God shall enter into them. Who's to them? Verse 10 calls them the two witnesses, or the two prophets. Uh, that is, they're teaching. And they, shall, and they stood upon their feet, that's in the ministry, and fear fell upon all them which saw them. Those that saw them is making reference to the same one uh, that pierced them. That's a religious element out there. They heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither, that is even higher. They ascended up to heaven. Heaven is a spiritual state and a cloud, that's a cloud of witnesses and their enemies, the enemies is a religious element, they beheld them. But that was the same hour, there was a great earthquake. Well, I'll pull back. And so you can see who the two witnesses are. That's the teaching of Moses and Christ that stood before the whole earth. And so they did by this, Brother Michael led dead in the street. That's talking about that Broadway out there in religion. And so in the spirit of life, the Holy Ghost, which fell again in 1906, entered into them, but the two witnesses are not on their feet yet. Well, they may be on their feet, but we're still stumbling because somebody's still hunting Easter eggs. I mean, somebody's still saying rare. Somebody's still got steeples and crawls up. So you can't say the two witnesses, even among us. There's much confusion here in this group of people that is in Babylon. Don't get angry with me. It's just the truth. I know some brothers despise my speech, but you'll get over it. I can't do both. I, can't, I, I think I share that. I can't be a servant of God and try to please men too. If I have to choose between the two, as much as I care for you, I choose God over you every time. People have to get over my speech. You don't have to listen to me. But if you do listen to me, I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, I'm so sure, I'm sure glad my two years and two months is over. About to kill me. That Pat K tiptoeing. Amen. Strap on my 66 and let's just shoot him up. Um, and so he uses the term, uh, they that pierce him, and you could say it's the Jews, but it's not just the Jews. Key word here is religious, false religion. This is what Paul uses that speech. How he profit above the Jews' religion. Showing it's the religious element. When Paul said, after the manner of men, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, over in 1 Corinthians. What was the beast? Was it a barren lion? And it was that religious spirit that was in uh, uh, the uh, 
uh, those shrine makers. And that's, that's what he's talking about. So that's who pierced him was religion, religious people. Okay, let me bring this to a close. And all the kindreds uh, of the earth shall well because of him. The word kindreds is the same word that's translated tribes, uh, nations. That's talking about all people. Nothing to do with your nationality or your race. And so he's setting a tremendous foundation here of what's going to happen. Of course, now, this is for this prophecy. Some of this has already happened. Let me go on. And so it hadn't changed the subject. Uh, I am Alpha. That's the first letter in the Greek alphabet. I'm Omega. That's the last. And then he explains why he used those terms. I'm the beginning and the ending. How is Christ the beginning and the ending? How is he? I can explain it real simple. He's the beginning of the creation of God. He's the first thing God created, and he's the last. Everything else was created by him and for him. And without him was not anything created uh, that was created. So he's both the alpha, the beginning of the creation of God, and he's the ending. That's all God created directly. You follow that? It's not complicated. You're really not. You just got to give yourself to it. Then, uh, look what he says. Uh, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come of the Almighty. And so he used some of the same terminology about as attributed to God. Do you know why? He's the express image of his person. Uh, the Bible says, and what is that, Philippians chapter 2, when he's in the form of God, he thought of not robbing to do what? To be equal with God. Whatever he said is what God was saying. And so in this capacity he is. Then he said, I, John, which is your fellow brethren, I want you to underline that. That's going to be essential as you go on. He's your uh, your brother. I'm your brother and companion in tribulation because he was in it. And by the way, his greatest, greatest tribulation was temptation. Let me say that correctly. Your greatest temptation, your greatest trial, your greatest persecution. Brother, when that outer man is persecuting that inner man, telling you to put your, put your spiritual out on hold and get this person told, put your personal feelings, conviction on hold and fold your arms. That was a temptation, wasn't it? I'm watching you struggle, tears running down your eyes. That was the inner man versus the outer man. Old man versus the new man. And for a minute, the old man is having his way. I love you, young lady. Man, nothing. And so we all go through that. All of us go through that. Do we not? Oh, God, you don't think we go through it? Remember Christ in the garden of Gethsemane? Remember how he prayed in agony? Remember how his, his blood, his, I'm sorry, he sweated with great drops of blood? You don't think that was anguish? That was the greatest challenge he had worse than the cross, just getting past this. When you're going through something, it's real. Oh, brother, it'll make you sweat. Oh, you don't have to sweat. You can just give in to the devil and just say anything. Or just do anything. But the devil, the one is one. You just lost the battle. You say, Lord, forgive me. He'll forgive me. But you failed that test. Guess what you got to do? Well, the problem with failing it, you got to take it again. Even if you pass it, you're going to take it again and again and again till you never fail it. That's a fact. Okay, Lord, <laughs> I fell it the first time, but I passed it this time. Let's move on. Not yet, son. I know it can't be no tie in this game. You got to put that old man to death. You're going to keep taking it until it's not a temptation no more. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Thank God he is. Helping us. Okay. And your companion tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, which is in the isle. This is John, which was in the isle that is called what? Atmos. 
Why was he there? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit. My God. Look what he says on the Lord's day. Somebody say, see that? He went to church on Sunday. I'm sorry, sir. That's not talking about a 24-hour day. That's talking about a 1,000-year day. He was looking at, he write this from the perspective of being at the end of the seventh day. He's looking back. I'm going to tell you all things that had happened. It was a revelation revealing the testimony of Jesus Christ, but from the perspective of the future looking back to the past. He says, in the Lord's state, that's the Lord worked six days, and the seventh day he ended his work and rest. That's the 7,000 years end of it. Only thing he prophesied about in all actuality is the, uh, uh, which was what he saw, looking back. He wasn't looking forward. He was looking back and wrote it down. Most of it has been fulfilled even for us. But some of this, what he wrote, is still future to us. Very little. Let's keep reading. And I heard behind me a great voice as of trumpet. What's the trumpet in the Bible? It's a message. Who's blowing this trumpet? Christ is. What is the trumpet saying? I am what? Okay, keep reading. Okay, now we, we understand who is blowing this trump. It's Christ. What thou seest, read it with me. Write it in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Okay, he's going to name them. When he wrote this, there was nobody to give it to. But when he's brought back, he sends it out to these seven churches. There's many more churches, but again, these seven have significance because of the name. Let's name them real quick. Read them. And there's an order to each one of them. It's not just, and you'll watch as you read Revelation 2, Revelation 3, it never breaks the order. It's an order for this because it's showing you the seven dispensations of the church age that the church would actually go through, and the name itself denotes what's going to happen during that span of time. All right, let's read it. Okay, Ephesus, let's read. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Lil Sia. I'm going to stop there. You want me to finish it now? First chapter. You know, some people want to say no, but they're afraid how you're going to look at them. He says, Michelle holding a piece. I'll read a little bit more. We'll see how the Lord leads us here. I turned to see the voice that spake to me, because he heard the voice of a man. But listen, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Wow. He didn't see Jesus. Why did he see seven golden candlesticks? Seven is completion. This is a complete revelation. Those seven churches will give you a complete revelation of what's going to happen during the church age, church dispensation. So he didn't see the, the voice of a man. He saw the voice of these seven dispensations. And that's where the emphasis be put, because this is where the overcomers are going to come from. These seven dispensations of the seven churches of Asia by picture and type. Uh, here it is, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven golden stick, in the very midst of this, 
Here he is, was one like unto the Son of Man. This is showing Jesus in a bodily form, a tabernacle like unto men here. That's what he's describing. He was clothed with the garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a girdle, uh, golden girdle. Wow. Using descriptive form. So this man, uh, he's clothed. He looks like he's completely covered. And then he had a head. And his hair was white like wool. And if you listen to the black Hebrews, they'll say because his hair was like wool, it shows he's a soul brother. But you miss the word. You're missing the wording. It wasn't describing the texture of his hair. It was describing the color of his hair. He said white like wool. The reason his hair was white, because on the earth his hair wasn't white. Why do you use the word white? Why do you use the word white? It's showing he had completely overcome. White is denoting purity. Uh, no longer was he being tempted. There was no more lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life working him. There was nothing in him left. He said the prince of this world coming, and he finding what? Nothing. So now his hair is white like wool. He's overcome completely. He, all this is symbolism. Keep reading. You'll see it. And I can go through the description and show you. He didn't say as, uh, he said white like wool, white as snow. The emphasis is not on the texture, it's on the color. And his eyes was as a flame of fire. Uh, I don't seem like this too often. Uh, LJ has a temper problem. You wouldn't know that. Uh, he rarely gets angry. But when he's really angry, his eyes get red, 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 watery. His lips start shivering. What he's afraid of, he's going to do something out of character. His eyes get cold red. My mouth starts shivering. He's highly upset. That somebody going to do it toward me. But I've seen him do it several times. Lips start shivering. Why are your lips shivering, sir? Oh, they don't want to say what you think. You shiver your lips at me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Some words are better unspoken. Uh, but his eyes get red and watery. Well, this is the way Christ was. Why is he using that description? Because he is very angry. He is stirred. He is upset. He's going to do something about it. Remember, he's a lamb. He's also a lion. He's a lamb when he's sacrificing his life. But he's a lion when he comes to tear and to devour. And so here he's a lion. Because he's coming in judgment. At the end of the Laodicean dispensation, which you are kissing. May not be there in its totality, but you're very close. We'll get to that future. Okay. Uh, thank God the fire didn't consume him. Been through the waters, and the waters didn't drown him. And so his feet, his understanding, his life, brother, it's, it's like brass. You've overcome. He's pure. Then he goes on. I like this. And his voice as the sound of many waters. Wow. What's waters in the, in the Bible? People, tongues, and nations. Brother, they all speaking a portion of his message. But brother, he's many waters. Everybody who has any portion of the gospel, they got it from him, but he is the fulfillment. He's all of it. In him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Here we go. Now, and he had in his right hand, what do you have in his right? I, I'm glad it wasn't in his left. He got something in his left too. He really does. He said, the deceiver and the deceived are mine. So that's in his left hand. That's got left. Uh, but his right hand 
He holds the seven stars. Uh, what are these stars? First Corinthians chapter 15 says one star different in glory from another star. That's these ministers. That's these ministers of these ministries over the seven churches of Asia, which is just seven dispensations. That's what he's making reference to. I won't give you too much at once. We'll get a little clearer into that as we go on. But uh, uh, <laughs> listen to this. Out of his mouth went, see he used the term went, past tense, he had in his hand, that's past tense. But he's writing from the perspective of the seventh day looking back. So everything to him is past tense. Are you following me? Uh, let's keep reading. Uh, wow. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Well, you know what that is, don't you? That's the word of God. And his contents was as the sun shineth in his strength. That simply means his illumination uh, because he's, he's been with the Father. And so when you see him, that's what you see. You see someone who's been in the very presence of God. Just like you can see when Moses came down from the mount, he had to put a veil over his face because his face was too shiny. And that was just a similitude that he went before God. No man could see God, including Moses. He saw Moses' similitude. He said, well, the Bible says he spoke to him face to face. He did speak to him face to face out of similitude. But you can't see God and live. Out in no flesh. Not even possible. Thank Jesus. I mean, God told Moses that no man can see me and live. Then John says at least five times, no man has seen God. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. Stand up. You earned the right to do so. But certainly, no problem. When you saw, when Moses saw a bush that was burning, that bush wasn't God. It was just instead of God, a similitude. When, uh, what's the name? Uh, Samson's father in the 14th chapter of the book of Judges, when he saw that angel, and that, and that angel went up in that fire off the offering, that wasn't God. As a similitude, uh, Shagrach, Meshach, and, and those are similitudes. It's not the very person himself, but it was likened to him. It's an image. A similitude means a, a familiar, familiar attribute in some way. It's instead of. It's not the person. I'll put it to you like this. Have you ever had a dollar or a hundred dollars, a fifth of dollars? You try to spin it, and they put a light on, and they say, this is not real. Did it with a 20 once. Told me, this is, sorry, sir, we can't accept this. What you mean, I can't, you can't accept it? You say, this is a counterfeit. I took that dollar back. They say, look all right to me. But they wouldn't take it. What did you do with it, Brother Brown? I went somewhere else, and they did take it. They gave it to me. And I, I, it spent when I gave it to somebody else. But it wasn't a real thing. So it wasn't God himself. It was instead of God. Even another one. That was a rock that followed the nation of Israel. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And that rock that followed him was Christ. But Christ is not a physical rock. That was a submitted to. Follow me? Okay, I appreciate your question, though. Okay. He had in his right hand the seven stars. Those stars is talking about ministers. Uh, angels. The word angel means messenger. It's the same word that's translated messenger is the same word that's translated angels and the same word that's translated stars. But Jesus 
talked about the falling away of the early rain church. He said immediately after the tribulation of those days, that's on the nation of Israel. He said the sun uh, shall be darkened and the moon, I'm sorry, the moon shall be darkened and the sun shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven. He's not talking about the natural moon. He's talking about the old law of Moses. And he says the sun shall be darkened. That's the teaching of Jesus Christ, who's the son of righteousness. And the stars shall fall from heaven. It's talking about those ministers that didn't keep their first estate. They start organizing and going into religious concepts and falsehoods and start putting up crosses and Christmas and Easter's and flattering titles and so on and so forth. You may be a star, but you're a fallen star. You didn't keep your first estate, the place that God put you. And by the way, anytime you can be tempted, enticed, and pulled away from the place God put you, you be careful. You might not be a fallen star, you might become a wandering star or from place to place. So because you're a star, I'll make you honorable. You got to keep your estate. Wherever God puts you in that light, you stay in that light. By the way, stars don't shine when the sun is out. Stars shine when the sun is not out. And so long as Jesus was on the earth, those apostles didn't manifest those great gifts. But once he was taken away, then them stars began to shine. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. And uh, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. That's the word of God. And his comes as the sun shining in strength. There we go. We read that. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I guess so. He was awestruck. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. So you know it's not God because he can't die. I'm a, uh, that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Cannot ever be put to death again. Then he bags up himself. I love it when God says amen to himself. And when Christ says amen to himself. He says amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. What is he talking about? Is he talking about the grave and a fine rotisserie? No. He's talking about religion and organizations. He's talking about the death that you can actually, I can let you out of that graveyard that you're in. I can let you out of that hellish condition that you're in. I can let you out of that falsehood that you're in. Thank God he has the keys. And when he opened the door, can nobody close it? And if he closed the door and locked you in, can nobody get you out? He pulled the shades down on you. You can't roll them back up. I think I said that this weekend, then a brother I hate to talk like that to those brothers. I love them brothers. But if you, if you can't hear, you keep rejecting the truth. The Lord pulls the shades down on you. Because you can hear this truth and go right on back and put up a Christmas tree. Go ahead and do it. It's your death between you and God. But God will give you over to a reprobate. You, brother, he pulled the shades down. Can't nobody let him up. And as I pointed out, and you heard me say this before, the worst thing God can do to anybody is leave you to yourself. You will self-destruct. You will. If he's chasing you with sickness, with disease, or uh, with a hideous health condition, you better say, thank you, Lord. You chasing me, but you didn't leave me alone. You only chase those whom he loved. When you can do wrong, stay wrong, live wrong, go any kind of way, he don't bother you, your conscience don't bother you, nothing bothers you. Oh, God, that person is in a horrible condition. Horrible condition. What's the term? Twice dead. Fucked up by the roots. Wow. So I'm gonna say like David, chasing me, Lord. But in your mercy, though. Not, not, in, not in your wrath, lest I come to nothing. But correct me with loving kindness. Be merciful. You know I'm just clay. I'm nothing but dust. 
I do miss the morning. Amen. Okay, let's try to see can we bring this on down to a close. Write these things which thou hast seen and the things, and watch this carefully. What the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, that was present, and the things which what? We only have a couple of verses. Bear with me for a moment here. A mystery. A mystery is something that's been concealed, has to be revealed. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. Gonna give you the keys. The seven stars are the angels, are the messengers, are the ministers of these seven churches. And the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, they are the seven churches. Churches here representing not just a natural church, but a dispensation of time that the church would go through. And so here is where it began in chapter 2, began to unfold these seven churches and the dispensation, the movements of the church itself, even around the tabernacle. You get this right, you will understand the different movements, how the church fell away, and restoration. We'll get into these things at another time. It's a Friday night. I know it. I hope I didn't tax you too much. But there's some people love to learn. What's the season for learning? Whenever I'm living, walking, talking, and breathing, it's a good season to learn. Amen. Okay. Uh, I need to get a drink. Get a song. Sir? Brother, why do you have me quitting when I was annoyed? I don't feel the cloud lift off me. I'm a mortal man. You might, you might, might pin me. Well. I doubt it, though. I just want to ask a question. Go ahead, sir. Your lift ain't shivering, so I go want, ahead. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to let you finish your dissertation. Uh, going back to Revelation chapter 1. I uh, say, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. You said that that categorization is God. You see? I want to make sure I heard you correctly. You did hear me correct. Uh, verse 4. Uh, that, I'm sorry. Which verse? Yes, sir. Verse 4. From him which is, which was, and which is to come. You're saying that's God. I don't disagree with you. No, no, that's what I said. I'm not, wait a minute. I'm saying to read it. I'm looking at verse 5, wondering what you read. <laughs> I'll put my glasses back on. I can't see what I'm on. Okay. Yes, that verse 4 is talking about God. Verse 5 brings Christ in with it. But go ahead. Okay, the reason I ask, um, when you read further back, and I think it's verse. No, I'm sorry. Verse 18. Uh, yes, sir. See Christ describing himself. He said, I am he that liveth. He was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Um, the reason I'm asking, I know you use the um, second part in verse 4, the seven spirits before his throne is God. I don't disagree with that at all. And so I was just wondering how we differentiate because there it seems that which is, which was, and is to come, that's one. And then he says, and the seven spirits were proceeded before his throne. That's not, I don't, and I know it wasn't written with punctuation, but let's, I don't see that the as verse a just referenced. conjunction. Let's read, I'm sorry, let's read that verse question. again. Forgive me. Last one, you go carefully. Verse 4, 
John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Okay. So I was asking. I was That's saying. God. I, That's yeah, God. I see that as God, but I don't. I'm asking for clarity. I understand. Uh, now go read the next verse that you have a question with, and I'll show you. And, and from Jesus Christ, who no, is no, the no. faithful. I think the next verse you yeah, just made some it. reference to was which verse? The one I did was four, verse five, it says, and from Jesus Christ. Okay. So I see how you did it, or how it's uh, conjunction together, put together. Because the reason that stuck out to me in just about any epistle, they're going to mention God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ or servant to Jesus Christ. And so I, will, I got it. I got it. I see it. I haven't actually read this in quite a while. Even tonight, first time I've read it in many, many months. I hate to tell you how many. It might be 10 months. I don't know. But I can see it clearly. Did I see it the last time? Yes. Did I see it when I taught it before? I don't know. I really don't know what I said before. I don't it's know not, if, you taught, it. I don't know if you taught it any differently. Yeah. It just stuck out to me. I, I really don't remember if you used to teach it differently. I'm not, I'm not pulling that up. Right. I, no, yeah. I, I don't know. This is my first time quite a while. You can plainly see it. I appreciate the question. Glad you can see it on your own feet because I was getting a little disembobulated for a moment. But if Lord touched your mind while you was on your feet, that's better. I'm glad you cared because I wasn't sure which way we was heading with it. But I appreciate the question. And this is healthy. I don't mind someone even having a different view. Let's, let's consider the scripture and come to a conclusion. I think that's the best thing we can do. In a multitude of counsel, there's safety. Some things are so easy to prove, and the terminology itself proves that. It's a conjunction. So verse 4 can't be talking about the same person. It would not say and, unless you won this. There's a lot of positions on the Godhead, but being oneness is about the most absurd thing I ever heard. I can almost see a Trinitarian. I don't know how you got to be one. When Jesus is on the cross saying, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit, how does he do that if he's, if he's the same? And when Jesus died, God can't die, so the, who was running the world? I don't understand the wonders. That's, that's, that's strange to me. So uh, anyway, but they have a reason to believe what they believe. And so until we have a discussion with the wonders, I don't want to throw rocks at them. I would love to sit and talk to one. I never heard anything make sense. What's the name, Geo Jennings? I heard him one time, but what he said didn't make sense. It made sense to be talking to people who have the same persuasion. But get someone, you know, I, I, if God give me grace, I would love to talk to him in an open setting, but not in his church. Because you're in his church, it's, it's, what it is is a cheering. It's not a real discussion. Well, let's pick some neutral place. I would love to talk to him because he's well-read. He's well-read. Pretty, well, pretty feisty, but that's the way apostolics are. You know, he's no different than anybody else in the apostolic faith. They all like that. But I have respect for him because at least... Right or wrong, you do use the Bible. And so if we can get some discussion where he considers the scripture different, might change his position. But somebody who believed because they was told it, you can't argue with somebody's concept. You gotta have a foundation why you're saying that. So anyway, I appreciate it. I still I'm thirsty two ways. I need some water, please. Where's my water? That's a long way now, please. And uh, I'm thirsty spiritually. You know when you eat? You never get thirst when you're eating? 
Same thing spiritually. When you eat and absorb the word of God, I need a good drink from heaven. I need something to wash this down. Amen. Said amen. Are you all ready for the book of Revelation? And don't you let them brothers leave because the brothers are always ready. But I guess when I'm asking, I'm asking the sisters. Are you sisters ready? Well, ready or not, here we are. <laughs> I have a glass. I don't even drink out of bottle in my house. I pour my, I pour my water into a glass. I do. I know it's open. I still need a glass. Watch my lip. My lip going to start shivering. <laughs> Thank you. Tangled up in his blessed pages, how I'm gonna rest forever in the rock of ages. How I'm gonna live and sing and shout a million years. And here we say you made it home. You got a crown you can call your own. I think I'll read it again and bless my soul. I think I'll read it again and my book of revelation. Power over the nation. I think I'll read it again. We will rule and reign with Jesus. It's one of the books that I know for certain. One of those books that predict my future. I think I'll read it again and bless my soul. I think I'll read it again, that mighty book of Revelation. I think I'll read it again. I will have power over the nation. It's one of the books that I know for certain. One of those books that predict my future. I think I'll read it again and let it 
Amen. Why are you blessing your soul? Let's take prayer requests. Uh, let's remember those saints who are still traveling, uh, coming back from Florida because of the wedding. Let's remember the upcoming meeting in just two weeks in St. Marcus. Remember myself and Sister Grace, Brother David Giggs. It's a very grave situation. Brother Mike Nelson spoke with him this week, had good fellowship with him. Sister Tonsil, good to see her. Uh, the work in St. Marcus and finding a home that we can own. Let's keep that on our prayers. It's going to be not a spontaneous or an instant thing, but I can see this is going to be with some time. I don't want to lead uh, hastily. I like to get things done, but people have to be ready for that. So I don't know if we should leave, take it off or leave it on, keep it in our hearts. But this is going to be it as they're ready. Everybody can't move at my pace. and I don't want to, I want to lead on softly. I'll help and be patient with people. Uh, job situation for the beloved, uh, all the beloved that are traveling, our aging parents, while your parents is yet upside of the earth, love them and honor them and respect them, cherish them, bless them, spend time with them, undergird them. Are you listening to me, saints? They'll come, for all things being equal, one day you're not going to have them. I would pay money to hear my mother curse me one more time. Honestly. I would give a top dollar to 
hear her say something to me. I don't care what it was. Oh, love them while you have them. Those people we're testifying to, those out in religion, who's been wounded, confused, and scattered by the brutality of religious people, and usually preachers, pulpit pimps, and people without any consideration for others. Words can hurt, they can maim, they can injure, they can scar. Let's pray for those precious people, please. Brother Rick and Brother Donald. Brother Donald read his text. Brother Rick, okay, I saw him on Zoom. Uh, Brother Ricky, Rick Powell, let's pray for those as well. Sister Christine and her condition, please let's keep her in prayer and keep her encouraged. Is anyone else special unspoken? All right. Let's take all these great needs before this wonderful God and his precious son and the wonderful mercy that he extends that it can reach to those who we're mindful of, made mention of, and those that you're thinking of. Let's go to this great God of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Also, you may be seated. I don't want you standing too long. Uh, you may have bad knees. <laughs> but uh, while we're standing, let's prepare our hearts uh, to bless the Lord with our substance, with the first fruit of our increase. Uh, your, your sacrifices are not used to enrich anyone here, but it's to further the, uh, the gospel, give us places that we can assemble ourselves comfortably and having our physical accommodations met in a very nice way. So I want to bless the Lord with the first fruit of our increase. And be mindful of it. Don't give the Lord something that don't, doesn't cost you nothing. Don't give the Lord some leftovers. Give the Lord of your first fruits, showing that you put him first, you trust him. It's in him you live, move, and have your being. That's what I like to think we all do when we give. And when we don't give, it's just because we're carnal, we're selfish, self-centered, self-seeking. And you'll only get as much from God as you're willing to give to God. You don't give God your best. I can promise you, you'll never give God's best. You'll never. I can promise you that. I can guarantee you that. You can only reap what you sow. You can only reap what you sow. Those are principles that God put in laws in nature. You reap not, it's because you sowed not. And then Paul let us know if you do so, they that sow sparingly, they also reap sparingly. You can go work for money. He's not talk, just talking about money. talking about understanding, wisdom, knowledge, favor with God, and all aspects of life. You want your home to be blessed, and you'll be a blessing. If you don't, and when the trials of life and life just run in cycles, you'll look for mercy, and you won't find any because you didn't store up nothing. So I like to be faithful in all things. Time, my resources, my strength, my energy. I like to leave this earth having this confidence that God can trust me. In every aspect of my life, he can trust me. I like to show God that. And so I would never want to snipe with resources, time, money, nothing. I like to do what God tells me to do. Give him the first fruits off the top, right, off the top. It's offering time. I'm sorry, we don't pass the offering box. 
we trust some people just put the deposit into the box over in the corner. Uh, it works. Those who don't give do give, and those who don't, well, tell the Lord you don't give. There's more, there's more life in that song. Sometimes I get so tangled up in all these blessed pages. How I'm going to rest forever in the rock of ages. How I'm going to live and sing and child a million years. And hear him say you made it home. That crown of life you call your own. I think I'll read it again and let it bless my soul. I think I'll read it again at my dear book of revelation. Clean up team number three until the meeting Sunday. Let's not forget the St. Marcos meeting. February 9th through the 11th. Church clean up March 9th at 8 a.m. I believe that's all in all. We do have some um, parts for St. Marcos under the podium. So when you go, you're not going empty-handed. Uh, as you see people, sometimes we there. Let's uh, open the door. Might not wait for them to open it, but give them, give them a card. So we do have some cards. I don't know how many we have. We'll get some more. Uh, but while we out there, pass out cards, help canvas the area, uh, trying to help the assembly. That's all the announcements. That is all. Please drive safely. Love you all. You are dismissed. <laughs>